the crisis side is is kind of past a little bit, um, but now moving towards how we're going to listen and what we need to listen for to make sure our customers are taken care of, to make sure our communities are taken care of, make sure our employees are taken care of, I think is is where we have to be listening now. Adam, I couldn't agree more with our special guests this week. And I guess that makes sense since uh, they work with me at Convince Convert, Lauren Teague, who you just heard from, and Zanti Ho, who's our director of strategy at the company. But what Lauren said right there about the importance of aggressive social listening is so critical right now. I mean, customers are, are confused, they're uncertain, they're scared, they're worried, they're bored, they're a lot of different things. And with social media usage going way up, this is a great time to actually use technology to infer what customers want in a, in a way that maybe we haven't been spending as much time on it as we should have been. You're exactly right, Jay. And, and I think it is, it is all those things. But I also think that uh, the consumers are maybe slightly more forgiving right now than in typical yeah. circumstances. But that does not mean that you can't very quickly have a misfire um, or, or something backfire. And you have to be, I think, really cognizant of that. And I think listening to customers is certainly important from a social standpoint, from a communications and marketing standpoint. But these are also insights that, as you've heard us talk about so many times on this show, about embedding social media into the fabric of the company. These are insights that can go all the way up to the C-suite level and help organizations make better decisions in these un- uh, unexpected and un, uh, unplanned uh, times. Yeah, absolutely. That idea of, of, of pulling insights out of the social media morass and then doing something with them is incredibly important. Otherwise, the only smart person is the social media manager. <laughs> that's, that's, I guess, better than nothing, but uh, not much better than nothing. Uh, we went through a whole bunch of topics in this episode based on a webinar that Zanti and Lauren and myself did a couple of weeks ago uh, called The 11 Things You Must Change in Your Social Media in These Uncertain Times. You can get access to that webinar at socialpros.com. So we talked about some of the highlights here and really had a terrific conversation about the state of social media and what you, social post listeners, may want to be changing about your social. You're going to hear a lot from Zanti and Lauren here. As always, if you need some help with your social media strategy, your operations, your best practices, give us a shout at convinceandconvert.com. You'll hear from two of our smartest people in this episode. Speaking of smart things, I love this new book that Adam's team at Salesforce put together. It's actually about email marketing. And, and obviously, this is a show about social media, but you probably have some role to play in email email or know who does in your organization. This one's called 50 Best Practices for Email Marketers. Email is such a critical factor in your marketing mix. I can't tell you how many emails I've received from brands uh, in this uh, COVID-19 world. Some brands I didn't even know I ever signed up for their email list, but now I get an email from them. This is a terrific uh, ebook. It's really well organized. 50 ideas you can apply to improve your email marketing. Grab it at bit.ly slash email best five zero bitly slash email best five zero you can get that from our friends at salesforce let's hear from zanti and lauren from convince and convert on this week's social pros podcast it's a very special episode of social pros as i have asked well, really more ordered, two people from the Convince and Convert team to join us to talk about all things social media and changes that you, yes, you, Social Pros listeners, should be making to your social media here in the crazy world that we're living in. Joining us this week on the big show, and of course, 
Adam as well, Santi Ho, who runs our strategy team at Convince and Convert, and Lauren Teague, one of our senior strategists. She's coming in from Portland, Oregon. Zanti is in New York City. Lauren was actually on the show at one point when she was still with the PGA Tour before she started working with Convince and Convert. I don't know how many years ago that was, Lauren, like seven years, something like that, six? I don't know, a while ago. Yeah, it was like episode six. And then I think I was on this time last you year. You've been, you've been on since I've been on. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, we because talked we, talked about about, that. Yeah. we talked about the Masters and Tiger Woods. And um, I'm, my social pros hat is getting good use, apparently. Episode, uh, actually, I'm going to check that. That was episode 10, I believe, was your first appearance on the show, which is very impressive. According to this somewhat uh, poorly uh, kept up uh, Airtable, um, that, that is that is great. Going unwieldy uh, after uh, now nearly 500 episodes of the program. Uh, Zanti, Lauren, we wanted you to on the show because the three of us collaborated on a virtual event um, a couple weeks ago called 11 Changes You Must Adjust or 11 Things You Must Adjust uh, in Your Social Media in These Crazy Times. And because uh, Social Pros listeners, of course, are, are contending with these same challenges, we thought it'd be interesting to talk about some of those things here on the big podcast. Adam, what do you think? You know, I had an opportunity, as you would expect, to go through these. And uh, not only are they insightful, some of them were uh, interesting. One of the things I would love to ask maybe you first, Jay, before we kind of get into this, because as as the title and as the headline uh, espouses, this is 11 things that you must adjust in your social media during these crazy days. I'm curious, Jay, for you first, was there anything surprising? Uh, was, was, are these common sense things that we just need to remember? Are, are these things that any day, 365 days of normal days, we should be paying attention to? But is there anything especially surprising that came out of this research and analysis? One of the things that was interesting, and I guess not unexpected, per se, but interesting to see it mathematically. And we talked about this a little bit last week with RJ Tellier uh, on the Social Pros podcast as well. This idea that a lot of historical patterns of social media usage have been disrupted and rewired. One of the things we talked about in our webinar, I should just say real quick as we get into this, folks, go to socialpros.com, find this episode. We'll have a link to the recording of this webinar and the slides. So if you want to dig deep on this topic, you'll have the opportunity to do so. But, but this idea that some organizations who historically have had a great deal of social media success, engagement, etc., uh, during the week now we're seeing success, you know, 10 o'clock on Saturday night, right? So, so when your audience, and I'm throwing up my air quotes here, when your audience wants to engage with your content in social could be manifestly different than it was in pre-pandemic times because your own behavior patterns have shifted. We've seen lots of changes in how people and where people and why people and when people actually download this podcast for the same reasons, right? A lot of people listen to podcasts when they're in the car, on the treadmill, blowing snow, etc. And a lot of those things aren't true right now. So you have to reconfigure your listening windows the same way that you reconfigure your social media usage windows. So as somebody who tends to look at things from more of a mathematical perspective, being a career direct marketer before I got into digital, that's what really interests me is that what you thought was your recipe is now potentially a wholly different recipe and you got to refigure it. That is fascinating. And I think it can be confirmed literally by a conversation I had this morning with one of the larger uh, studios, uh, in this case, the TV side of the studio that had a program that appears on 
network television on Tuesdays, but they're seeing the most social chatter about the show, certainly on Tuesday, but secondly, on Saturday. And it, what it tells you is everything is time shifted now. It's Nobody is watching or doing things. People are not going to work nine to five. They're going eight to 11 and taking two hours for the kids and back and off and on. So insightful for, for the paid side, the broadcasting side, uh, the social side. Mm-hmm. Zanti, one of the things I wanted to ask you is we have had clients at Convince and Convert. And Adam, I suspect you've had some of these conversations, at least with, with folks uh, that, that work with Salesforce, about just kind of pulling the plug or hitting pause or stopping social uh, in general right now. I mean, d- does that seem like the appropriate approach? Well, certainly I think that you have to take a much more rigorous approach to what you do post and to be really deliberate about when and where the content appears in your different channels. It's no longer, uh, as you said, the plug and play go by our regular formula, but to really be thoughtful of what can we add value with for our audience and what are the appropriate times that we can do that. Now, that doesn't mean that every brand needs to stop or put on pause if they are not totally on message, right? There are some kinds of products where people are looking for a little bit of respite and they want that escape from the news that we're being hit with every minute of the day, but it does mean that every brand has to be much more thoughtful about when they do post. One question for you, Zanti, and we, I know we, we spoke about this on our show last week. We, we talked a little bit about the fatigue of, of the we're here for you messaging, but the importance sure. of that and the importance of the sincerity of that. Did you see in this research anything kind of leading towards, you know, as we kind of cultivate this, what we're calling, at least at Salesforce, a new normal before we get back to, you know, what's next of, of messaging? Are we going to be in this for a while? Do we need to be considerate and thoughtful like your uh, tips here have, uh, have demonstrated for the foreseeable future? Absolutely. And I think that what you allude to here is also this idea that who the messenger is and providing a really human voice is a really important part of this equation. By leading with the people who are behind the brand, who are doing that support, who are providing the resources to your audience, you make that message of we're here for you more genuine, but you also make it more useful because you're making it really tangible and specific. I think that when a brand is coming to the table and just generally saying, hey, we're here for you during this crisis, it doesn't necessarily mean very much if there's no application to the end audience. And so I think our opportunity as brand marketers is to say, how can we bring that to life in a specific way that really serves our audience? I know one of the key things and uh, that you you had on the list was was the number two and i think i'll i would love to start there for a moment and it was this idea of listening harder now i think i i I'll speak for jay and i know for all of you and so many of our listeners who recognize and appreciate the importance of social listening what should what should brands and organizations be listening to and when i when i read your thoughts on this i, I recognize and this is true, I think, for, for anybody in the sensitive time, that even the best intentions can sometimes backfire. So you really have to kind of think ahead when you're listening and then when you're talking to make sure that uh, you're not getting yourself into trouble. Yeah, I, I'll take this one. I think uh, when, when you talk about social listening, clearly anyone who's been doing social listening for any amount of time has their brand keywords, their marketplace, um, those things. I think it's really important to not think about or to think about 
listening beyond those traditional mediums. There's a lot of places where conversations are popping up now that uh, brands and businesses and even government might not be used to listening towards. So having an eye on, say, Nextdoor, uh, because everybody's home right now. And so it's the perfect place for, for Nextdoor. Having a, a better ear attuned to LinkedIn to get a business pulse, but also a, a hiring pulse, right? There's even from when we did the webinar a few weeks ago till today and, and when this episode will will be on air, you know, situations have absolutely changed. There's great talent in the market. So maybe your HR team needs to be set up to listen for Twitter and LinkedIn notices that great talent is available um, right now. From a crisis response, we've kind of moved past the, the immediate crisis. So unless you are in a direct to service, so a government, a nonprofit, a, a food bank, those kinds of things that are still looking for people to find um, and help, that the brand crisis side needs to be prepared for that kind of that next normal. What's going to happen with the reopenings? Listening for chatter around if you're thinking about reopening and pivoting your keywords to being, you know, open, masks, uh, PPE, the things that the conversation has now shifted to as the country itself is starting to talk about what it means to reopen, whether it's an outdoor facility, a retail shop, a dentist office, um, and how. So the crisis side is, is kind of past a little bit, um, but now moving towards how we're going to listen and what we need to listen for to make sure our customers are taken care of, to make sure our communities are taken care of, make sure our employees are taken care of, I think is, is where we have to be listening now. One of the things that we mentioned in this session, again, go to socialpros.com for a link to the recording of this webinar and the slides that Zanti, Lauren, and myself put together. One of the things that I found really interesting, Adam, was that some of the key information that customers and prospective customers need today are not being baked into your social media accounts at kind of the core informational level. So the example I used was Best Buy because all the Best Buys in a America are now pickup only. You can purchase items on the website and then you text them when you get to the parking lot and they run it out to your car. In fact, I just bought a cord uh, today uh, from Best Buy using the pickup window. Unfortunately, it was the wrong cord. So in my case, uh, some things never change. But what I found fascinating is that every Best Buy in the US um, uh, is, is pickup only, yet their Twitter bio, their Facebook about um, block doesn't mention any of that. And I thought, geez, wouldn't, and they also don't have a pinned uh, post at the top that says, hey, by the way, it's takeout only, here's how this works. And you would think that kind of information, which is really central to their entire operating philosophy would would be driven home and you make sure that people get that information first. So um, as much as I love Best Buy, I thought that was kind of a miss. And that's really the first thing I would recommend that Social Pros listeners do is say, look, what's the information that your customers absolutely positively have to know? And how do you use your social accounts, whether it's your bio and or pinned content to make sure that they know that without having to look for it? Mm -hmm. Well, and in yeah, a similar vein, oh, sorry, Lauren. That's okay. 
I would say that you need to put that, you know, right up front on your, your social accounts, but any, any of your customer touch points, put it up front on your email newsletter, put it up front on your Facebook page, on your website. We're all using different ways to, uh, to find out like whether it's the menu or is this product available, that kind of thing. So everywhere, certainly social media bios, but uh, that's not the only place that people are searching for. We also, go ahead, Adam. I was like, one of the things that that tells me, and I, I have to admit that when, when I was on the, uh, on the um, agency and as well as the, uh, the corporate side, you get so stuck at looking at your social media management tool in terms of creating new posts and things like that. Inevitably, I think in the great example, Jay, that you articulated, Best Buy is creating so much content around COVID-19, so much appropriate content. Tons, but sometimes stuff. because I didn't go into Twitter and actually look at the page like a consumer, it's so easy to forget about those things, the bios, the pins, all those other things that, you know. That may not be, that you, that you can't actually use the tool to, to manage. That's so go. interesting. I didn't even think about that, but I think you're, you're exactly right. That is, you know, when you're using an enterprise tool, you know, update bio is not usually functionality in that tool. Mm-hmm. When I wrote the um, five things that social media managers have to do right now, which was the prelude to the 11 things webinar, that was actually one of the tips was you've got to, you've got to pull out of the, the tools that you're using and really operate in real time, whether it's changing bios and pin posts or just, you know, getting out of the habit of scheduling posts, because especially when I wrote it was at a time where news was literally changing minute to minute, hour by hour, day by day. And you didn't want to get caught with having a schedule. You need to, anytime you're going to go post something, going back to what Zanti said at the very beginning is it has to be relevant. It has to be uh, a human to human interaction. So if you're scheduling things through, that's, going to land at a time that's probably unfortunate. And again, we're kind of dipped into this, this more rapid news cycle again, right? That, that things are changing and governors are making announcements and things. And so to pull yourself out of those tools, to break those habits are going to be good for you long-term. It's a great point because as things start to loosen up in certain parts of the country, going back to the Best Buy example, while they have been, carry out only everywhere, that's not going to be the case forever. There will be certain Best Buy, I I presume, I don't know this to be true, but I would presume Mm -hmm. that certain Best Buy locations, because of the nature of a staggered reopening based on geography, will be available with social distancing measures in place, of course, but you'll be able to go into a Best Buy in Georgia, perhaps, but but not in New York. And so you're going to have to be even sharper about communicating circumstantial, uh, geographically driven information to your customers. It's funny you talk about, Lauren, this idea of, of human to human content, and, and I couldn't agree more, this idea that people care about people right now, not about logos, and trust has been fundamentally rewired. But you don't want to show too many people, Zanti. It's one of the things we talked about <laughs> in this session that, that you know, you, you got to be real careful about your pictures these days. That's exactly right, Jay. I think that we do have to really monitor and audit the uh, imagery that we're using within our social media posts at this time because people are very sensitive to both social distancing and also modeling good behavior, right? So at this time, I think that you have to look at the branded photography that you're using and make sure that you are using ones that are specifically, you know, one person in each shot or 
personal families, or in some cases of where you are talking about, say, connection, sort of alluding to the fact that this is something we wish we could do rather than something we're doing now. I know, Jay, this is something that we spoke about uh, last week. Um, yeah, with RJ. And RJ had so many great insights on this and what he was seeing with that, uh, you know, uh, vision uh, technology, artificial intelligence, vision technology. And I love the use case that you articulated around well, didn't you see, like, bicycle people, was it like what people with pictures or uh, scissors, right? It was that, that thing they said last week was like tons of more Facebook content with scissors in it because people are like cutting their hair at home and stuff like this. It's crazy. Yeah. No, no holding of hands, but lots of scissors. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Very interesting. You you gave a great case study of a bicycle brand. Um, and yeah, I can't Schwinn. remember it off the top of Schwinn. my head. I think yeah. it was Schwinn. Yeah, I'm almost, right. almost positive it was Schwinn, right, Zanti? That's right. Yes. Yeah, so Schwinn moved from having photos of people bicycling together to individuals with bikes enjoying the great outdoors with nobody around them, talking a little bit more about the respite and getting out to nature and taking a break, but not necessarily with other people, right? And in fact, the other thing that I've been seeing yesterday- That I was like, what, six days apart or something like that? Five, I mean, it was it was impressive how, how quickly they pivoted on that. Congratulations to Schwinn. Maybe the Schwinn social media crew listens to the podcast, um, or if you know somebody uh, at Schwinn, let them know that uh, we're shouting them out. Because it was, I, I think it was within a week for sure. And it was almost, it was the same campaign. You could tell it was the same principle, right? But they went from two people riding bikes together to one bro by himself riding a bike. Uh, and it was like, yeah, way to go. Way to be thoughtful about this. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that we've seen is ads that actually reflect um, the new reality that we live in, right? So you're seeing more ads that are talking about people FaceTiming or using Zoom or using other kinds of media that bring them together from distance and that representation of what that new normal looks like. Yeah, speaking of that and ads, we're actually putting together a video right now for my kids' school. And the teachers, you know, they're they're actually gathering in with social distancing to, um, you know, to do some stuff at school. And they said, you can come and shoot the video while we're together. And I said, no, I want to shoot the video when you're all, uh, I want you to shoot the video from your homes in the same way that you've been showing up to the children, to the parents and the families. Um, and we'll stitch it together and we'll just do some editing that way because it's more natural. And I think it's going to be jarring if it looks like a brand new video that we're shooting and, and people are together. I think it's, um, we've gone kind of boomeranged back and forth in this um, together alone. I don't know that we're ready to be together yet. And I think every time a beach reopens or something, you know, we're, we, we kind of get that shell shock. So even photos, even videos and things that you are creating now, if we're a society that can watch SNL on Zoom, you know, produce a show basically on Zoom. And, and we're all familiar with now how, how that works and how different cameras uh, to get different camera angles and stuff. I think, um, you know, for ads, for imagery, for video, we're, we're definitely dialed into that new reality of, of what it looks and feels like. And we have a lot more grace on things that aren't as polished as maybe we would, you know, naturally expect. A real, real light anecdote on that. And then a question I'm gonna have for, for Lauren. Uh, if anybody has ever seen a Salesforce PowerPoint presentation, there's always a slide at the end. It says, thank you. And it has uh, pictures of our, of our characters. We have Astro and Cody and Sassy, uh, these characters, and they're on a mountain and they're kind of heading off into the sunset. Well, they've re replaced that now with where it looks like a Zoom screen. So you've got each of them in each little boxes you know, around <laughs> the screen. Great. It says, thank you in the middle. It's a, it's a good chuckle and, and I like it and it was very 
very appropriate and apropos. And Lauren, that kind of gets to my next question. We're talking about the need to change photos. And I've certainly seen some lighthearted COVID, uh, you know, messaging from uh, from brands and uh, NGOs online. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on using COVID-oriented humor in it. I, it seems to be still kind of a risque subject that you've got to be very careful of and for. Don't know if you have any examples of, of brands that are doing it well or not so well or any suggestions or insight. I think we've seen um, that that people are starting to trend in that direction. I was thinking about this myself when I was watching SNL last week and, and I was thinking, God, all the ads really look and feel the same. Like I don't have to look up to see who's doing the ad because it sounds the same, it feels the same, it, it looks the same and I'm ready for something new. So I think you're right that that kind of that humor lens um, and bringing people maybe spirits up a little bit is ready to do. One thing that we talked about in the webinar was um, using, you know, using more people and deriving more humor from that at-home experience. So Getty Museum did a fantastic example of that where they actually asked fans to um, find a couple of items in their household and use that to recreate some famous artwork. And they received I don't know, hundreds, thousands of submissions and started resharing so good. them in their Twitter account. And so this is on convincingconvert.com. Um, it's also in the, the webinar uh, slides and, and video that we did. Um, but some are really fantastic and, and certainly took more than a couple of household items. Um, but it was a little tongue in cheek of playing on that. We're at home. Um, and in, instead of that staying together, it's, it's giving someone either a distraction and something to do or giving them some lightheartedness um, you know, I can certainly tell from personal experience, I'm looking for things that will entertain me, myself, my husband, but also my, as a family. And so anytime that that happens safely, um, that, that we can create that it's no different than the penguins walking around the Chicago aquarium, um, and getting to check out the other exhibits, right? It became a viral video because it was the first time we had seen that and everybody was just, it was a distraction from the moment. So certainly changing your brand tone a little bit to use and inflect more humor, more lightness into this um, and not just being focused on the stay at home, stay together message. I th I'm certainly looking forward to more of that. Well, the, the seventh stage of grief is acceptance. And, and we've been doing this long enough that when you get to that point, that's when you can safely introduce humor because everybody's like, yeah, man, this is the new normal uh, at some level. Now you've still got to trod carefully and it still has to meet the tone of your brand, right? There's, you know, you're probably not wanting Bank of America to be super hilarious about not getting your PPP money or whatever, right? I mean, so there's there's certainly a time and a place for it and, and it's got to match up uh, to the brand. Speaking of uh, funny things about penguins, Lauren, did you know that the Chinese translation for penguin is business goose, which I think is amazing. That is my That's factoid of the day. Business. Business goose. goose. Business goose, uh, which is also a great band name. Zanti, one of the things that we talked about in this webinar is that today, and I think for a while, uh, influencers and influencer marketing and having real people carry some of your communications water is, is going to be uh, very important and successful. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And once I do that, I want to come back to business goose because I have commentary. Oh, um, please. No, please get into your, I want your business goose commentary right now. Don't sure. So, so the, the, the literal word for penguin in Chinese is chia. I would have 
probably translated it not as business goose, but like fancy or formal goose, which I think is a better translation because it really recognizes that they're wearing a little suit. A little, a little tuxedo. It's yes. like a okay. formal goose. Yeah. Formal goose. All right. Evening wear goose. Evening wear goose. There you go. <laughs> so if you need any social media strategy help or Chinese translation, please uh, zonti at convincingconvert.com. Yes, reach out. So um, back to influencers, I think that the reason that it is so important for brands to be activating their influencers right now is, again, that personal touch, right? That influencers can say things about the situation and can speak about the usage of your brand uh, in a completely different way than you can. It can help to bridge some of that concern about the tonality of the messaging but it also allows them to bring a different perspective, especially around how the brand can help and interface from a third party point of view, which gives you more credibility. So I think there's a ton of value in brands, both B2B and B2C, looking at their pool of influencers and thinking about how they can activate them successfully during this time. And do you think some of those influencers can be not necessarily influencers in the classic sense, but but customers, employees, team members, sort of that, that micro-influencer approach? Absolutely. I think that that actually lends a lot more credibility, especially because you want to be speaking to people where they are and facing the situations that they are in. So as we've seen, there are so many brands where the CEO will come on to Zoom to give a message and their dog will run through or their children or whatever. And that's okay. The humanness of those interactions is relatable to people. And I think brings that, um, the trustworthiness in this moment. You feel less alone when you know that other people face what you face. So I think that using micro-influencers, using employees, using community members within your, your uh, area who are experiencing different aspects of this crisis to speak to a particular message is definitely something that's very powerful. And even when we were talking before about advertising, um, some of the ads that you're seeing where, again, you're seeing people in their homes speaking about their experiences, I think make a really big difference right now. Well, I think, Zanti, it just reinforces this whole idea that this is one of those rare, rare occasions where we are all in this together. And this isn't like a we in, in terms of country, in terms of, you know, politics, in terms of geography, the entire world is, is dealing with that. And I think this is, it's, a, uh, it's a brave reminder of, of that fact. And, and, and marketing and communications, you know, will mimic, mimic that. And, and hopefully this will, this will be, could become a bit of the new normal because I, I think this, uh, this, 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 the storyline is, is so much more resonant uh, than some of the other kind of call to actions that, that we as marketers and communicators have used over the years. Absolutely. Another topic, and, and maybe Lauren, I'll go to you on this one that I thought was interesting from, uh, from the insights. And again, encourage everybody to go to socialpros.com to, uh, to get the presentation. But we talked about this a little bit earlier. We're all watching uh, different shows at different times. We're all on social media at different times. Different publishing times specific uh, have, have kind of come out. And your research showed certain times of the day, certain times of the week, not just for social posting, but different topics at different times. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, I, this is something that I've been watching closely from, you know, when the COVID response started and that original blog post um, I wrote. And then also we talked about it in the webinar as well. And I was able, you know, the webinar was like three weeks into kind of the standard, like where everybody feels like they're all working from home and we're all in the um, having that same shared experience. By that time, and there, there was enough data available in Rival IQ, which is one of our favorite tools for looking at um, competitive and, and benchmarking for um, social content. When we looked at that, we looked at uh, like financial, higher ed, and, and some other things. And we saw that there were, in just three weeks, major shifts between when content was published and when it was engaged with. Um, so, at that point, content was being engaged much more, like Jay said earlier, like more engagement later in the day or into the evening, right? So instead of highest engagement at lunchtime, you're getting high, highest engagement after bedtime, kid bedtime, that is. Um, so 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night is when, um, you know, people who, who have split attentions during the day can sit and ingest like social media content, getting lost in their Facebook or their Twitter newsfeed and click on things or like things then. Um, it's why it's really important if you have an Instagram story strategy to make sure you're batch uploading all of your stories at one time, even if you're creating them for the day, so that they all stay together so that no matter when somebody sees them, whether it's two o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the afternoon or sometime in between, um, they could do that. But like, for example, financial services, um, those posts, 10 p.m. we're getting the highest engagement. And so now I think, you know, we're week seven or eight or wherever we are in um, in kind of this new reality. And I think it's gr a great time. I think Buffer, your social media management tools, Rival IQ, the data has caught up. And we had talked about, you know, what your old recipe is, you know, has to change. Now is a time to go back in and refresh those um, optimal posting times, those engagement times, and see what's true for your business and what's true for your competitors or your industry um, to see where those optimal posting times have changed. And they will be a little bit different for everyone. But if you need a gut check, if you need to think, is this the right time for me to post something? Um, step back and look at your own calendar, your colleagues' calendar, the put yourself in the shoes of the audience that you're trying to reach and say, if I am this audience, when am I most likely to be online and have capacity to engage with this? Like you guys said, if you're a parent, if you're two parents at home with any number of kids, likely there's some ping ponging going back and forth. Um, and, and so just our availability and our attention is completely different in these new times. On a, on a slightly different front, but also related, Adam, what do you think about now being the time for brands to experiment with different channels, different social networks? I think about the huge spike in TikTok uh, viewing now, right? People are using TikTok like television and tuning in for very lengthy sessions and just kind of like, it's sort of the, like the new Netflix. Would, would this be the time that you would advise a client to say, maybe you haven't done TikTok in the past, but maybe now's the time to, to try it? Or do you think because everything's disrupted, you would advise people to do less experimentation as opposed to more? Jay, I mean, my thought would be this is the time for a couple of different reasons. I think number one, I think our customers and our consumers 
are trying different channels. Uh, they're trying different platforms. They're they're watching content probably because they're freaking out because they haven't been outside in you know in, in, in 28 days. But I think that's it's a great opportunity for that. Number two, this is the type of time where if you're going to try something uh, and it doesn't work, you need to fail forward. And this, I think, we've got a little bit of protection here. Uh, to be able to uh, to do that. And I think the third message, and this might be kind of a good segue into another question is, we know ad uh, prices, uh, paid uh, media prices are lower in most instances right now than uh, 60, 90 days ago for the same uh, ad units. So you can be a little bit more efficient. Um, and I know that kind of leads to one of the other topics that that you guys showcased in the report around recalibrating uh, return on ad spend and all the metrics that you're using to, uh, to show ROI. Absolutely, Adam. I think that it's really interesting to see that that um, cost per thousand has dropped. However, one thing that we saw was that the click-through rates on the ads has also experienced a drop. And so with that in mind, you do have to be thoughtful about uh, what is the return on the ad spend and, as you said, recalibrate what are the results that you're actually going to get. Because while you may get more eyeballs on that content, people have less um, I'm going to say attention span to click through on that content perhaps. And so what those calls to action need to be may need to shift. And that's data from social makers that we're quoting there. Yeah, it's interesting. I, there, there's a case to be made that you should be ramping up your ad budget, right? Because everything's on sale, right? But but if if everything's on sale and results aren't as good, then it's not actually on sale. <laughs> so it's you know it's it's cost per click, not cost per impression for most people is what they're paying attention to. So you got to make sure that you're redoing uh, the math. Thank you, Zanti. Just a quick note: our guests this week on Social Pros, Zanti Ho and Lauren Teague, from our team at Convince and Convert. The two of them and myself collaborated on a webinar a couple weeks ago, the 11 things you must adjust in your social media in these uncertain, crazy times. You can find a recording of the webinar and the slides at socialpros.com. Lauren, one of the things I wanted you to talk about before we wrap up this episode is we've, we've talked on a number of occasions here in this chat uh, about consumers using social media more right? That, that social media usage is up fairly significantly because it is serving the role that it was always intended to serve, a community bridge, a bond between individuals. What do you think is the business opportunity there, if any, in terms of doubling down on or making greater use of community, whether that's a, a Facebook group or a third party uh, social community or any other sort of operation that you might get into in that regard? What, what's the community angle in your estimation? Yeah, certainly this does feel a little bit more like the social media of old. Maybe that first time that I joined Social Pros, however many years ago that was, um, that social media again has become where a place where people go to hang out to swap ideas because we're physically distanced. We're turning inwards to devices, to social feeds and, and whatnot. And certainly I've seen more activity in groups, um, more helpful activity, more people giving more of themselves or their knowledge in that way. And so certainly brands can follow um, in that way. One thing that we talked about on that webinar was how this isn't necessarily a time that everybody can buy from you, but it's not a time to stop bringing people into your funnel to 
and it's actually a way to use community to embrace them by, by giving things um, that they can escape with or that they need to get them through that time and community or connecting people with say a Facebook group um, is a really nice way to do that. We've seen even Chipotle did Chipotle together for a couple of weeks before it got zoom bombed. Um, but it was really intended to stand up to say, here's a few hundred people. We just need a little bit of social interaction and, and we're going to give this to you, which is really cool. One way that I've seen brands do this is, any sort of community off, you know, on any platform that they've used, um, PGA Tour, for example, has a uh, a network or a community of of fans who will give them feedback at any given time. And and I've been part of this because I helped set it up, and also uh, ever since I left the PGA Tour. And you know, once a month or so, they'll ping me for my opinion on the broadcast or the live products or something. Well, I got an email last week that asked about my feelings um, towards restarting the season. And I thought that was a really fantastic use of, um, of taking their trusted advisor, you know, consumer advisory group in a network, in a community that they've already built and established and really putting some stock into the feedback from these people, not about a digital product, not about the mobile app, but truly one of the questions was, how would you, what are your feelings about a brand that restarts now? You know, does, do your feelings heighten or uh, detach? Do you get angry? Do you get happy when thinking about something like sports restarting? Yeah. And I thought that That's was a, a really good point. Way and and we've actually seen this in our, in our own work uh, and work on behalf of clients. It's weird. Right now, consumers are really okay with answering surveys. Like we're seeing record survey participation. We do a fair bit of market research at Convince and Convert it, and it's been amazing. People really want to be asked their opinion right now. And I think it's such a great example, Lauren, because here's the thing, you can have a golf tournament and you can even have a golf tournament when fans are invited. That doesn't mean fans are going to show up. Right. And that's really the concern, right? We're talking about opening, as we're recording this, we're talking about opening many uh, malls in the U.S. in the next few days mall being open and people coming to mall isn't the same thing, right? So it's a great opportunity to ask your customers like, well, how do you feel uh, about this? Because it takes two to tango and it takes two to shop and it takes two to go to a golf tournament. And and uh, a great example for, for Chipotle as well. In fact, Tressie Lieberman, who runs social for Chipotle, will be on the podcast here in a couple of weeks. So we'll ask her uh, about that example. Adam, do you have something you want to jump in on there? I, I just think this is, it's, this whole idea of, of listening to our customers is so important. You know, one of the things we've been talking about, I talked about this last week at Salesforce was first off helping our customers stabilize, stabilize their business. Number second is getting back to work. And number third, uh, third is grow. And two of the tenets of our stabilize concept is trying to make your organization more data culture oriented so that we're using data and that we're listening to our customers. And I think Lauren, the example you used of the PGA checks off both of those boxes. Yeah, just ask them. You don't need to guess. Just ask them. You know, it's, it's like, why would you, this doesn't, doesn't have to be some mystery. Just ask people what they think. 
And, and the benefit of social is if you're using any type of social listening tool, they're probably already talking. They're probably about already it. saying it. That's exactly right, yes. Adam. Absolutely. Laura and Zanti, we're going to ask you each one of the two questions that we ask everybody here on the podcast, Lauren, in episode 370, also episode 10. Uh, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? I don't think I've given this one. Even if I had, it's it's super relevant. I having been one of the longstanding social media, you know, OGs, at least in sports, um, I have always believed that social actually isn't a job. It's a tool set. And I think so even more now, when you look at all of the things that like a social media person might have to do master, you know, work with it's, it's everything from graphic design to community management, to social listening, to analytics, to understanding data, to running ads, you know, being an analyst, even producing events or live events, you know, we've shifted into this, this video stage. Those are all skill sets that you can absolutely build upon. And so if you're looking to become a social pro or broaden your skills, don't chase a social media job, chase something that your skill set is truly based in because now social media is part of a lot of jobs. Uh, and so you don't have to specialize in quote unquote social media because it's too big now to do so. Jay, isn't it interesting, Lauren? I love, I love that answer, and I think it's interesting, Jay. Since you've been doing this show, you know, we've evolved on a bell curve from social not being part of you know, your business title, uh, but we were all marketers and communicators that started to do social things, to being at a point where you were a social disciplinarian, and now today, yet we're getting back to doing all these other things where social is just baked in to that role baked in to, uh, to the needs uh, of that organization. Look, I, I said this when Amber Naslin and I wrote The Now Revolution, which was almost 10 years ago now, that eventually there will be no social media manager because it will be so baked into the communications infrastructure that it would be weird to call it out. It's like, there's no radio department either um, in ad agencies. Cause it's just, yeah, sometimes you need to do radio, right? It's just, um, and eventually it will just be business like, like everything else. It'll be, it'll take a while, but eventually Zanti last question for you. What living person would you most prefer to have a video call with preferably somebody who is a fancy goose. <laughs> well, yes. Um, my answer would be Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who does wear, you know, the really good. Mm -hmm. jabot, yes, it is. So. It is penguin. Penguin Ash. Yes, penguin the RBG. S. Yes, I like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, and I think that for me, it's partly because her career path, I think, is. Um, similar to mine in the sense that she's bringing that academic experience to the work that she's doing every day and having worked for many years with graduate students at Columbia University and the City College of New York, I'm bringing a lot of that discipline of academic frameworks into what we teach in our um, client work every day. And the other part of it for me, I think, is that I... I think that I'm addicted to talking to lawyers, and I know that sounds weird, but it is because... <laughs> Both of my parents are attorneys and three out of my four best friends are attorneys. I think I just like argumentative people. So I think I could have a lot of fun with our BG. That's a good answer. I don't think Adam, we've ever had RBG as the answer to that question. This is a first, at least since I've, uh, I've been around. Well done, Zanti. I appreciate well it very much. An excellent documentary too, folks, if you're looking for something to watch, which you frankly mm -hmm. uh, probably are. Uh, 
ladies, thank you so much for being part of the show and for working with me on the big webinar and everything else you do for our clients at Convince and Convert. Don't forget, friends, you can get access to that webinar and the slides and, of course, everything else at socialpros.com. Adam, any final words? Thank you, uh, Zanti and Lauren, for, uh, for your insights here. I think these are certainly important right now as, as we go through this, uh, this crisis and this pandemic. But I also believe these are pretty evergreen. I think these are things, uh, 11 things that we should be remembering years from now. Yeah, absolutely. And some great guests coming up on the show who are putting some of these principles into practice. As mentioned, Chipotle coming up, Wells Fargo coming up, Purdue University, Cargill, uh, and a bunch of other fantastic guests right here on what I hope is your favorite podcast in the whole world. I hope you're listening to it while you're making sure your kids are going to school via Zoom. This has been Social Pros. Social Pros.